Good morning, everybody. There's a couple times I think I, I promised to dance, but it would be so offensive that I just couldn't do it. Welcome. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here at Ridgeview. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning. We're continuing um, on the series called No Offense, and we're looking at how to respond rightly uh, when we offend people and when they offend us. And how do we deal with things uh, without just having outbursts or stuffing them? Um, how do we deal with them in a way that, that actually pleases God, uh, helps us grow in that relationship with him, and then also uh, how we continue to grow with other people? Um, anger and what we're going to talk about today, bitterness, uh, are, are things that we all experience. Sometimes we don't even realize that they've entered our system, but it's very easy for us to um, feel bitter towards God, feel angry towards people, a combination of all those different relationships that we have. And uh, here at Ridgeview, we're, we're always interested in really looking intently at God for help, his word to instruct us. And thankfully, his word is so practical and it speaks very specifically uh, to many problems that, that we face. And that's the good news with Christianity, especially following Christ. You find that he, wanted, he wants to enter into um, the mess of our lives, uh, the hard things, the things that maybe we don't talk a lot about to people, um, we don't even think about maybe except for just the, the after effects of things, but, but God actually wants to help us this morning. He wants to get into our lives and, and really help us to move forward. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. But we've been in a season of, of unrest for quite a period in, in our country, in the world, the airline industry of unruly uh, passengers or when conflict happens. And the, the numbers are, are staggering. In 2018, uh, the incidents that, that actually were, were reported um, and they followed through and was 159. So there's lots of incidents, but they look at, okay, out of everything that was reported, 159 that we're gonna look into. Um, that's 2018. 2019, 146. Uh, 2020, the number was actually increasing, which is interesting because of the pandemic and less people were flying. But check this out. In 2021, there was 1,099 incidents that were filed. That's not reported. That means that they actually looked into because there was an offense that took place. And then for 2022, we're already at 745. So if you combine 2018 to 2019 and compare that to 2021 to 2022, that's a 505% increase of incidents, of problems that occur just on an airplane or in an airport, something in that world. And I began to think about that and realize that I think one of the major shifts people have is, is just this just tremendous amount of stress, tremendous amount of anger, um, a lot of confusion about this world and all that's going on, and it comes out. And that's why it's so important to deal with and to recognize offenses and problems and conflict you can't ignore. And if you're like me, at a young age, you learned a certain strategy for how to deal with things. But if those aren't in line with God's word, and those don't really get you to the point where you're living in line with his truth, um, it's gonna really impact your life and the lives of others. And so this series is, is all about that. And today we're talking about this important subject of, of bitterness which we all have to face, which we all have to admit that sometimes uh, can creep in even um, with, with just very little things. 
doesn't even have to be big offenses. Arching idea, and it's this, is that getting bitter does not make times, the, uh, getting bitter does not make us better. The reason this is so important is because oftentimes the feelings that we have when we're bitter, the thoughts that we have, there's something about them we kind of like to, to hold on to them. There's something about that which feels like it justifies us. It justifies our frustration. It justifies our anger. And if we kind of massage those thoughts of bitterness and we kind of play scenarios over and over and over again, we think it will make us feel better. But it doesn't. It's, it's the opposite. It doesn't make us better. Uh, it, it actually makes us worse, and it's, it's very destructive. What I want to do is, is just get into a little bit of how bitterness uh, can creep in. Uh, specifically, how does bitterness take root in our life? It's a bitter root. And how does it actually get into, into us? And so I just want to walk you through a few things, uh, which may help you, it helps me to kind of identify. Oftentimes, we're down the road on bitterness, and we don't know how we got there. We feel a tremendous amount of frustration or anger, and it could be at God. It could be with people that we love dearly. It could be with people we just met in the store, but things happen and they, they stack up. And so whether you're bitter at God, bitter at life, bitter at others, you, you wish you were at somewhere where you're not, you wish you weren't facing what you're, you're facing, I want you to pay attention to where bitterness takes root because it's really interesting and very important to be able to identify how it starts. So let, let's dig in that. First, bitterness begins with, with injury. And you could see this it should be injury, not envy. Sorry, that's a mistake. Um, it starts with, with injury, and this is like disappointment, a broken promise, an attack. You feel overlooked. You get left out. These are things that, you know, even at a young age, you, you feel injured by somebody, like it's a slight. Somebody slighted you with something, and it, it hurts. It's an injury. That's probably not physical most of the time. It's, it's like emotional. It's like an emotional injury. We try to let it go, and we can't. Maybe we try to move forward, and we can't, but this, this injury is there. Well, what happens from injury, it, it kind of plays into being hurt. We have that on there? There, injury goes, goes to hurt. You feel wronged, and the, 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 the sting and the pain that comes from that injury is very real. So injury and hurt uh, are connected to each other. So there's this slight that happens, and then it begins to kind of settle in on you more. Like, why, why would they do that? How could they do that? Don't they know the situation that I find myself in? Don't, don't they know all that I've been through? And that injury, that offense, begins to lead to this, this being wronged, and that pain increases. So injury, there's a slight pain. Hurt, the pain is deeper. Now, they may have not done anything else to you, but it's the rehearsing. It's the thinking. It's the replaying that takes this injury and moves it into the hurt category. You guys making this make sense so far? So injury, hurt. Then hurt becomes uh, anger. And this is wrong anger. It's not a righteous anger. It's really an anger that comes from like, we need to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves. There is a protection that can come that's good, but this is just, you, you hurt me, you injured me, and now I'm gonna retaliate in some sort. It may be inward, just the thoughts I think about you, maybe outward in how I treat you. That's very interesting. Once you get to the anger category, anger oftentimes leads to you injuring other people. So if you think about how bitterness takes root, it takes root in you, and then by your actions, it causes bitterness in others. Have I described like every family that's ever existed, right? This is it's like, you don't have to go look far. 
It's you just wake up in the morning and this is happening. And it's stirred up. Oftentimes you see it in anger and you realize that there's a problem. But oftentimes if you kind of peel back the layers, there's, there's some sort of hurt that's there and there's an injury that's happened. And then that, that, that anger, you, you want to make them pay. And then the anger as it settles, is very dangerous. Resentment is in the anger. It's like that root gets deeper into you. It's into your heart, into your decision-making, into your attitude, into your worldview and your perspective. You see things through the injury and the hurt. And then that leads to this resentment. Deep-seated roots. It's again, you're just kind of playing it over and over. And so once it gets to this, this resentment and this bitter root, and it's deep-seated in you, it leads to full-blown bitterness. Now, if you've struggled with bitterness or you've met somebody that's really dealing with bitterness, sometimes you just see the bitterness. You're like, oh man, they're, they're hard to, to deal with. They're, they're hard to be with. They're, they just have so much bitterness in them. Well, some of the times it's God could use you to be a help to this person because you have no idea of how all of these things have happened in somebody's life with a tremendous amount of pain and a tremendous amount of hurt. So as Christ followers, and here as a church, one thing God wants us to do is help people that have been injured, that have been hurt. And you do it by really dealing with problems as they come. And that's why we have the hard attitudes here at Ridgeview Church. It's a commitment that we make. We're gonna treat each other in a certain way. We're gonna clear up our relationships when they get messed up. We're gonna give and receive correction. If there's some injury and there's some hurt, we wanna deal with those rightly. And as you live by these things, and it becomes real for our church community, it doesn't mean that we won't be injured. It doesn't mean that we won't be hurt. But with God's help and his grace, we really do wanna deal with resentment. And we wanna deal with forgiveness. And Lord willing, through that and the help that God does redemptively in our hearts, we can get away from this, this bitterness. But this is how it, it takes root. Does any of this kind of jive with your experience? Have you experienced this yourself? I know I have. Oftentimes I'm angry and I realize that there's, there's something that's been done that I've not really dealt with. And most of the time I haven't dealt with it like with forgiveness. And Pastor Cameron is gonna talk about that next week. We're gonna close out the series dealing with. I wanna focus on a passage today. Now we've identified the, we find that bitterness we do when we get to that anger, we get to that resentment, we find that bitterness is there. Again, it could be between us and God. It could be within our family. It could be within the church context, coworkers, a boss, somebody you're leading, all different contexts of relationships. But again, God's word uh, helps. So growing bitter does not make us better, but God's way does and the way he wants us to deal with it. So what I wanna do is I just wanna explain a little bit of the book of Hebrews this morning, because that's where we're going to focus um, our time. And the context of the book of Hebrews is it's written to Jewish people. That's why it's called Hebrews, like the Hebrew people. These are like the Israelites. These are our Jews. And in this context, some have become Christians. And so that's what we would call like Messianic Jews. That Jews, They have a Jewish background, a Jewish upbringing, they followed the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. They knew the Torah. They knew God's law. And then through Christ and his ministry and through the spread of Christianity, many began to see like the Christ is the Messiah. He is the one that we've been waiting for. And the book of Hebrews is written to this group that are, are Jewish in their identity and in their nature and everything that they've known. And then they're choosing to follow Christ. But also in that community, there's some that are 
on the fence. Like, is Jesus really who he said he was? Can we trust him? Is he the one that we've been waiting for? And there was a lot of questions. There was a lot of doubt. And this is all in the mix of a church. And so you have people along all sorts of different places, but with this Jewish heritage and background. This is their, their context. So there's many that are mulling on, can we follow Christ? Should we follow Christ? Is this right for our family? What does this mean for our life? There's a lot of weighing the cost of following Jesus. And in that context, it's actually very similar to any church. People along the way that decided they want to follow Christ and then people in the church that they're not sure. And we have those in Ridgeview. And God is working in the middle of that even more real because there is a cost that you can see. And life was not easy. And so there's this pull, like maybe, maybe we should go back to our old ways. Yeah, we were still under the Roman rule and we still experienced the persecution, but at least we're not outcast with our own people. And so there was this real pull, like, is this worth it? Is, is following Christ worth it? And because of that, because of the persecution, um, God's people and these new Christians that were really trying to weigh the cost, they experienced a lot of hardship. Their own families, you know, disowning them because they became Christian. The greater context of the society, which at the time persecution was on the rise for new Christians. And not just hypothetically, like Christians were being murdered for their faith. And all of this, just this tension and this stress uh, was, was very real. And so this audience in the book of Hebrews is actually struggling. They're discouraged. They feel beat up. They feel overwhelmed. And they're just wondering, like, do we have the faith to, to keep going? So the writer of Hebrews is, is writing this book to encourage them. You hold on to the faith. You don't give up. You keep going. Christ, the Messiah who came and died for our sins and rose again, he will help you. And the writer of Hebrews, in the beginning of the chapter that I'm going to read today, is talking about this life that we have as, as a race, a race that uh, is work, a race that costs us. He's saying life, life is not hard. It is a race, but you have to keep your eyes on this prize to finish well, to do life God's way. Don't get distracted, but run the race that, that God has set out for you. But they were dealing with, with all of these issues just like we can face, but theirs was even more intense. But there was a, just this sorting and, and weighing. And after he's this very helpful for this focus on 12 chapter or verses 12 through 15, it says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. This is a good word for us today. This is actually what we need. As the stress rises, as life thins us out and wears us out, as we maybe question, will God come through? Will he help me? Will the people in my life, are we gonna have strong relationships? Are, are things being frayed and, and just disintegrating into just everyone doing their own thing? It like feels hopeless at times. 
God's word, it, it, it helps us. And so what I want to do is I just want to break down this passage with three main points. And the first is this, is life is hard, but God will help. I, I want to start just by stating that life is hard. And the reason that's so important to understand is that if you know life is hard, when it gets hard, you, you actually don't have to be bitter about it. Now, I'd love to just be up here and say, life just gets easier. But that, that's not true, not in my own experience. Life gets more complex, and with complexity comes difficulty. And as you get older, sometimes those complexities increase, and you have more that you have to think about. Our kids are getting older, and they're beginning to enter like this adulthood. And part of what they're experiencing is like the hardness of life. But, but life, life is hard. But the second part of this is so important. But God will what? He will help. That's the beauty of life. When you follow Christ, you can't just negate the hardness and the complexities. Everyone will have it. But you have Christ who will help you. That's the promise to the, the Hebrew people in this first century that were struggling that had come to Christ and were wondering, like, did we make a mistake? And it's the same for us in our current climate that we live in, in our state, in our community, in our families. Life, life is hard, but God will help. Let's go back to verse 12. I love this description. Notice those words I've highlighted. So you've got drooping hands, weak knees, you feel lame, and you're out of joint. I'm like, was this written by somebody in their 40s? I get out of bed and I'm sore and I just slept. This morning I stepped and I said, ooh, my heel hurts. And then I thought my shoes and then I start to think about like, oh, I got to get new shoes. And these are real like old people problems. Like you're like, my shoes are old because I'm, I'm hurting and I got to get those new shoes and I got to get the ones that have that arch support and the heel cushion. And this like actually excites me in my life. Like, I spend so much time thinking about these things. But it's a description of the weight of life. Drooping hands in the, the original connotation. It's, it's the hands are a symbol of strength. And so drooping hands, like I have no strength. And the idea is like, I can't handle my responsibilities. It's like, I want to put my hand around them. And they just droop in my responsibilities I let go of. That can be very discouraging. The idea is you can't get ahead you feel like you can't get ahead, that leads to bitterness. And then weak knees. It's very interesting. The word weak there is where we get the English word paralyzed. It's the same Greek root. Uh, so this is a picture of like you don't know how to move forward. You're locked. That you have crooked paths. And that's scary. It's the unknown. But when we face the unknown, it, it can be very overwhelming. And lame means just you're, you're, you're limping and then out of joint is just, it's like a, a sprain. And the idea is it's like, it's supposed to go in one direction and it's, it's out of joint, it's, it's broken. And, and this is how life, life can feel. And some of you feel that, and I can feel that. As I've been talking with people over this last week, there's a lot of things people are going through a lot of stress, a lot of hardship. 
But notice that the promise is that you can be healed. You can be healed. And in this passage, if you go, I think, to the next, there should be highlighted. So look at the, the counter here. With God's help, your, your hands that you can't grip can, will be lifted. There's this the strength to, to your weakness, like the strength meaning you can move forward when you feel paralyzed and then straight past for the ones that are crooked and then the lame and out of joint can be healed. This is a promise. This should help us when we begin to question, like will, will God come through? This is a promise to us. We can recognize the drooping and the paralyzed and the lame and the out of joint, we can recognize that things feel like they're falling apart at the seams, but the promise is he will lift and he will strengthen and he will heal. As we turn to him, as we tell him what we're going through, as we open up, as we say, God, you know, I, I need your help. Things feel like they're falling apart. Will, will you help me? Will you, will you meet me? Now in this passage, what's very interesting, it's, it's plural. So lift your, it's, it's you all have drooping hands. You all have out of joint life, you all feel paralyzed. And it's actually, again, it's written to the church community. And so just God will heal us. But in the context of the church, God better and we begin to together. It's very powerful. Oftentimes when we feel bitter and we begin to question God and his work, we begin to take a step back from people. I see it again and again. It's almost like the solution is to pull away. Well, if you're paralyzed and you're weak and you're out of joint, you need help. You can't pull away. The idea is you're injured. It's like, okay, well, let me just lie over here by myself and I can get better. No, you, you don't get healing from pulling away. You need help. Help brings healing. But that tendency is, oh, when the problems come, we, we want to pull away. But the church community here at Ridgeview Church, we have responsibility. We need to help each other. We need to be there for each other. We need to look out for each other. We don't need to act like these things don't happen. No, in the middle of these things, God brings the help. And he, and he can heal us. And this should be an encouragement to us. If you're struggling, uh, that's, that's actually normal and it's life. Most of what the enemy wants to do, we have an enemy, an adversary, the devil. What he wants to do is make you think that the troubles that you're facing, no Christian should ever face. There's something wrong with you. And so what we do is we don't talk about it. We don't tell people. We pull away. And then the hurt and the resentment and the bitterness just grows. And before we know it, the bitter root has choked us out. And so the writer is saying, listen, it's okay if you're experiencing this. It's in the hurt that you get the help. God, God, God will help you. That's the first thing. The second is strive for peace and holiness. God will do his part. He will heal. He will help you as you ask him, as you pull into the community of the church. But the scripture says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So this is the part that's so great and so important about Christianity. You have promises, God will lift you. He will strengthen you. He will heal you. But notice, it's not just like, thank you, God, for all the work that you've done. But then he says, you need to be holy. And so I just want to give a context of this passage in Isaiah 35. Check this out. This is how the scriptures align with each other. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. And the, re I didn't think about how to say that. Is that recompense? 
Recompense, thanks. I knew right when I said re, it didn't sound right. The recompense of God, he will come and save you. So the writer of Hebrews to this Jewish people saying, here, listen, you know the book of Isaiah? And he gives them something like, have you heard this before? You grew up listening to this. And he quotes Isaiah 35 from the Old Testament. Strengthen the weak hands and make, but listen to this context. Say to those who have an anxious heart, I love this. Say to those who are worn down, their anxiety is on the rise. Fear not, your God will come through. Notice he will come with a vengeance. The idea is like with the hurt and the pain, you don't have to be in charge of making people pay. What it's saying is God will. God will make what's right. God will bring justice. God will come through. He's not asleep at the wheel. He sees what happens. And so part of what this means is instead of being bitter at God or our circumstances or other, we, we, need to give, we need to give time to God to make it good. It's like baking a cake, all the hard things that you're experiencing right now, individual ingredients by themselves. You ever just took a tablespoon of baking soda and said, wow, that was so good for my life. Tablespoon of salt, wow, so tasty. It's terrible. But you throw that in a cake, and it's good. And that's like life. What's happening is there's things that are bitter and hard and stressful and overwhelming. And then God is putting them all together in your life and saying, in the middle of all this, let's see what we can make. And he bakes something that's, that's beautiful. It becomes tasty. God will use even the hard things in our life and those difficult things, and he will make them good. But he can only make them good as we cooperate with him. As we strive, tell the people with anxious hearts, like, encouraging us to do uh, the same thing. And so that peace and th that holiness is, is so important. I want to just really quick talk about holiness. It's not a word that we use a lot. Uh, there's another churchy word called sanctification. You ever heard that? You just want to say that? Sanctification. Doesn't that feel good? You, know, that's, you don't use that, but it's, it's this God is, is making you more like him. He's making you more like him. And the way that you become more like Christ is that in the middle of the hard things, you continue to turn to him for help. And you get less independent and you become more dependent. And that's this process of God making you holy. There's nothing I can face that I can't bring God into. And there's nothing I can face that God can't help me. And there's nothing I face that I, that I should be ashamed to talk to my community about these Christians, my brothers and sisters that love each other. God will use this to help me. And this holiness is this reminder of usually when we feel bitter or usually when we're stressed, we have things that we do to maybe self-medicate. We don't necessarily want to turn to God. We have our own terms, maybe because we've, we've always done them. And so we look for fun, we look for isolation, we look for alcohol, we look for drugs, we look for somebody we can be codependent with, and we think these things will become the cure. But if you self-medicate and you turn to other things instead of God, the very thing that you think is the cure is the poison in your life. And that's, again, what the enemy wants you to think. Do things your own way, on your own terms, and it'll make you feel better. So when he's saying you need to be holy, he's saying, listen, there's this pull inside of you when life is hard. When you get bitter, there's this pull to take things on your own terms to make it better for yourself. And you think that that's going to last. You think that's going to help you, but it won't. Growing bitter 
And that bitter root takes, takes us out from the inside out. And so for me, what this means is usually in my heart when I'm unsettled, when I feel frustrated at people, when I feel frustrated at God, when I look at my circumstance and I think like, this is not what I want, this is not what I face, I begin to get a little bit of a knot in my stomach. I begin to feel a little stressed out and anxious. You guys ever feel like that? But those moments, we, we usually do a couple things. We, we decide like, am I gonna bring God into this? Or am I gonna act like he doesn't know what's happening and I'm just gonna do my own thing? He knows exactly what we're going through. He, know, he sees it. And so for me, it's the recognition in my own, God, I'm bringing you into this right now. I don't have to act like it's not happening. You know it's happening. I know it's happening. I'm bringing you into the stress. I'm bringing you into the bitterness. And you'll help me. In fact, any sin struggle you have, one of the best things you can do is recognize God and bring him into it. God, will you help me right now? I'm feeling this. I'm feeling like I want to go this way. Oftentimes in the Christian life, we're kind of taught like you just go to God for the grace and forgiveness. I've blown it and he will forgive. But the holiness is I'm gonna go to God for the help in the middle of it to battle it and to make the right decision. And we'll still blow it. We don't do it perfectly, but, but shame really sets us back. And so holiness is like, God, I don't wanna make that decision. I don't wanna give in to trying to make myself feel better through whatever means those are but I want to work for peace. Peace with you by obeying you. Peace with others by dealing with the issues that are here. God, will you help me to be peaceful and and to work for holiness? And then the last part, this is a promise. God's grace is greater than our bitterness. This is another way of saying, you, you know, God's grace is better than the sin that can cause bitterness or the injury, or the hurt, or the anger, or the resentment that can cause these things to crop up in our lives. His grace is greater. All the things going on in the world, this is such a helpful reminder. His grace is greater. And we have to really recognize that. It it can seem so cliche, but, but, but it's true. In the last part of the passage, Verse 15, it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Now, again, um, if you're a Christian, you can't miss the grace of God. You're saved by the grace of God. But again, in this context, there's people that are just deciding, do I really want to follow Christ? Do I really want to take him seriously? Do I want to do what he says and make him the boss and the leader of my life? They're really mulling this decision. And so the writer is saying, listen, if bitterness crops up in this community, in this church, in your family, in your life, if bitterness becomes the norm, there are people that are deciding whether they want to follow Christ and they'll look at your life and they'll say, nope, I don't want that. They're just as bitter as I am. They're no different. And that's the defiling. It's like a stain on Christianity. And so there's people that are sorting in our lives and in your life and my life that are just deciding like, is this real? Is following Christ worth it? Does he really help? Can he heal? Because things are very out of whack in my own life. And so the, the writer is saying, listen, you, you have to pay attention to this because there are some that are sorting whether they're gonna follow Christ or not based on how you live your life. And that's not to make us feel like, oh my goodness, I'm in a magnifying glass. It's freaking me out. No, you, even if you mess up, like God will use that to help people. But it, it is a reality. See to it that that no one misses. And then for us, the grace of God 
uh, we, we can't do anything that can negate it. Hebrews 12, 28 says the kingdom of God, like it can't be shaken. You can't lose it. You have the grace. But the, the line of grace and the reality of it in life, it can get choked out. Like it can get kinked. And then that flow can tough spot. Things begin to spiral. Does that hurt? And we can get to that dark place. Any of us. And as that hurt and that anger and that resentment and bitterness grows, that grace just, the flow slows down. And many can be defiled. Man, our, our decisions are very important. The decisions that we make in the middle of pain and hurt are very important, how we respond. Because the outcome of our decisions impact a lot of people. As I close, I, I want to encourage you and I'm going to invite the band up. I want to encourage you in the middle of the things that you're facing right now to keep your heart open to God and keep your heart open uh, to others. The way that God's, God's grace works is as you keep your heart open to him, you, you turn to him for help, you ask him for help, you, you make it a point as regularly as you can every day, God, I, I want to I want to live for you today. I want to do things your way. As you do that, that grace extends to your life, but you have to keep your heart open to God. And when we get bitter at God, oftentimes we close our heart. And then when we close our heart to God, oftentimes we close our heart to others. And that grace uh, gets stifled. And bitterness, bitterness does that. Uh, we pull back from trusting people, giving our hearts to people. And when we close our hearts to people, and when we close our hearts to God, we miss out on some of the greatest joys of life. That's the truth. And I think in our culture, in our world now, what we see is many people who've closed their heart to God and closed their heart to others, and they're completely living life for themselves, and they hate themselves for it. It's one of the saddest tragedies. They bought the lie, they're living it, and they're experiencing the fruit of it. And it's empty, and it's without joy. Now, if you've been hurt repeatedly by somebody, the passage isn't saying to be unwise and open yourself up to damaging people. And again, there is a word, be careful, is my heart beginning to close? Is my heart beginning to pull away? And am I beginning to pull away because I don't think God can really help, that he can really bring change? But God's grace is greater. We have to work towards this with his help. And so I just want to encourage you, keep, keep your heart open to God. Keep your heart open to people. And here at Ridgeview, within this community, God wants to do a mighty work with us that we can encourage those with an anxious heart to trust in God, to stand strong. He will come through. God can use you in the lives of people in your life, in your own household, to your kids, to your spouse, to your coworkers. Like those drooping knees, those paralyzed or drooping hands, knees can feel droopy too, right? But with all those things that are weighing and crushing us, like God... God will help you. And he uses people to, to remind us of that. So I just want to close out with a few next steps. Uh, the first is just to meditate on the passage that we read today. I, I think there's a lot to it. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of help that God could bring. So just meditate. Meditate like to chew, like chew on it. Like just think about it. Read it. Write it. Write some thoughts. And think. And then the second, ask God to show you any roots of bitterness. This is helpful. Just God, do I have those roots? Are there some things 
that I've let just creep in and things that I've not dealt with and I've got some roots. Just ask God to show you that. And then come back next week. The great thing about talking about God's grace and how he deals with bitterness is, is through forgiveness. And again, uh, Pastor Cameron will be speaking. Next week, I have an opportunity to speak at Hope Church, which in our network of churches is like the beginning, is the start. And so they've asked me to come speak. We're talking about what it means to team together um, as a network. And so I'm speaking there next week. So I'll be flying. As I was researching all these airline incidences, I realized like I'm flying this week. So pray, pray I keep it together, okay? Me drink my ginger ale and stay calm. Um, Pope Church, and really, uh, they have invested. They gave us a check for $25,000 when we started. Maybe it was 15, maybe it's 20. I don't remember, but I always get those numbers wrong. But it was a large check. Um, and so we really are uh, indebted to them just through their generosity. And so uh, next week, I'm just going to share about what God's doing in our church. Um, and so I'll miss you, but I look forward for them to get to hear that work. So let me pray. Uh, We're going to sing a song back. We're going to receive our offering. If I've never met you, I'd love to connect with you this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which helps us straighten out the confusion of our life and, again, gives us not just helpful things to feel better about, but instruction for how to move forward. There's no truth like your truth. There's no book like your word. So God, help us uh, to reflect on our own lives. Uh, Anything that's crushing us right now, God, we want to turn to you to help. So will you just set our hearts, just put a burn in our hearts to turn to you, to ask you for help, to admit and agree with you that we need it. And I just pray for our congregation. I pray against bitterness. I pray against conflict and struggle. God, will you bring healing and will you bring forgiveness And do a work in our church that as people come, we can calm their anxious hearts through your help as we encourage them to look to you, the living God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.